Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about a variety of topics relating to, well, I don't want to say to the presidential election, but you'll understand how I bring it and tie it all together. I'm calling these next three weeks a time of dedication. So, Father, I thank you that you are doing a work in our hearts. In the next three weeks, Father, you are showing us and leading us into all truth and righteousness. I thank you that your word says that righteousness and justice justice are the foundation of your throne. And I thank you that you are helping us, your people, your church, to walk in that place. And, Father, that you would just give us an earnest desire to dedicate our life to walk in righteousness and holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are three weeks away from the presidential election, and I'm asking you to seek the Lord in a new and fresh way. I'm calling it a restart. Now, many of you may be caught up in worrying about the consequences of one particular person winning or losing. And that is certainly normal because we have never had such a contentious election as this. We have become such a divided nation. And I I paused as I said that. We have become such a divided nation. I paused because I that just bothers me. We are so divided. And now, think about this. We can certainly point. You could say to me, Dawn, there there were many other times in our nation when we were more divided. And I will agree. Because I can point to the Civil War. And rightly argue that the division was so pronounced that 655,000 American lives were lost over the issue of slavery. 1968. I was alive in 1968. I don't know how many of you listening were alive at that time, but 1968 was one of the most tumultuous years in our recent American history. There was violent opposition to the Vietnam War, and its escalation. We had severe economic problems. There were two assassinations that took the lives of Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and Democratic presidential candidate Robert Kennedy. It seemed as if our country was having a nervous breakdown. There was also a culture war, the rise of feminism, the Black Power Movement, college campus revolts, a new sexual freedom made possible by the birth control pill, a ferocious war over value issues such as abortion, crime, patriotism, prayer in school, freedom of speech, and respect or institutions. There were hippies, yippies, revolutionaries, 
and boundary-breaking TV shows. It's hard to realize that that was 52 years ago. You see, America nearly lost its mind and its soul. U.S. News and World Report said, Some historians argue that the nation reinvented itself and became more tolerant, a less constrained place, more willing to let people express their individuality and challenge authority. Overall, the upheavals of that year, both positive and negative, made it clear that once social change reaches a critical mass, it can't be stopped. Frank Donatelli, a Republican strategist and former White House political director for President Ronald Reagan, said this, 1968 was a watershed. And political scientist Bill Galston of the Brookings Institution, a former senior White House advisor for President Bill Clinton, said, It was a terrible year. I think it was the worst year for American society since the Civil War. 1968 served as a reference point, illustrating how change can arrive so suddenly and fundamentally in the world's greatest democracy. And here we are in the year 2020. With a nation so severely polarized, this time along ideological and partisan lines and deadly violence, it just seems to be out of control. 1968, is shockingly similar to today. Dramatic events that shook us to our core in 68. Events like the My Lai massacre of 500 Vietnamese civilians, women, children, and old men. North Korea's capture of the USS Pueblo that held our crew for nearly one year. You see, a lot of you probably don't even remember that. It was just kind of a blip in the news and, you know, a year passed. And these men were held captive by North Korea. President Johnson shocked the nation he would not seek re-election. So a lot of tumultuous events, a lot of change, a lot of shifting of things. April 4th, 1968. The beloved icon of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, triggering one disturbances 
across cities of America. Racial tensions were inflamed and animosities were intensified. As I'm going through this year of 1968 and things that I have just shared, I want you to think about now. Think about the time that we are living in. Think about the things that we've just experienced in the last 365 days. All of the dramatic changes. I mean, we can go back just even a few more years, but the shifts and the changes have been profound. On June the 6th, 1968, Robert Kennedy was shot at a rally in California and killed. And it shocked the Democratic Party who hoped he would be elected president that fall. So the 60s were all about changing the norms. Now, I think this is interesting as a, I mean, I, I won't hide that I am a registered Republican. And I, I want to say the reason that I am a registered Republican is I agree with their platform. I can't agree with an antichrist platform or a Marxist platform. So, yes, I'm a registered Republican. So I hope that doesn't turn you off and suddenly you won't listen to what I'm saying. But you see, Republicans then believed and they still believe. So they believed this in 1968 and, and they still believe that America is being undermined by diversity, by elites that want to impose a politically correct culture on traditional Americans who believe that Black Lives Matter activists show no respect and certainly want to fundamentally change what we perceive as the nuclear family that gay advocacy undermines our families and faith, that illegal immigrants should not be coming into our country and extracting free services, and Muslims pose an existential threat. Not all Muslims, heavens no, but the extremists, the extremist Muslims, such as Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, and she's an extremist. She hates America. So you see, you have to be very careful here, and I'm trying to be very careful. I certainly am I'm not against people. I'm not against Muslims. I'm not against gay people. And I know that you can take what I'm saying and say, oh my goodness, she is so racist. Not so. But when you have people like Ilhan Omar, who, they're in her government. She's a representative in Congress, and she hates America. She hates Jews. She hates Israel. I find it unconscionable that you can be an elective representative of the United States of America and hate America as much as she does. 
And she has done so many illegal things, she should be in prison. Yet, there she is, a representative in our Congress of the United States of America. So there truly are some things that are out of place, things that are just not right. The similarities between 1968 and right now, they're stark. More change has come. We, you know, 1968 was a watershed, yes, because of all the things that had come to surface. Well, think about now. We have even more change. Gay marriage is legal, so the Supreme Court says. Abortion is legal. Marijuana, recreational, is legal. And you're going to be hearing from me about that at some point in time. Because this is serious stuff, folks. So more change has come and not for the good. And the reality is that we are probably not going back to any traditional values unless, unless there is a third great awakening. How do we respond to this moral crisis that we are in? I could simply say prayer because I believe in prayer. But see, I believe it will take more than prayer. It will take activism, activism on our part. Do you realize during the American Revolution that the preachers were preaching from the pulpit about how uh, liberty was important, how to, uh, I mean, they even took up guns and fought. As the church, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't want to be politically active. Well, sorry. It's your right as an American citizen, but it's more your responsibility as a Christian. We must stand up for what is right. Now, we have a wonderful role model in the woman, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who is up for an associate justice for the Supreme Court. Judge Barrett is a wife, a mother of seven children, two of which are black, and a son who has Down syndrome. But her faith is so strong that abortion was out of the question when she learned about her son having Down syndrome. It was out of the question for she and her husband. That was not even was not even going to be thought of. You see, Judge Barrett is an Esther. You remember Esther? In the Old Testament, a woman who stood before the king and said, if I perish, I perish. But she was going before the king. And she was going to help save her Jewish nation, which she ultimately did. 
she was brave. She stood for what was right. And Judge Barrett is an Esther. She is risking her family and her career to go before the Judicial Committee and withstand the onslaught of rude and sickening rants and jabs at her. But you see, she was steady. She was calm. She was strong. Her moral compass is rightly aligned. And Judge Amy Coney Barrett will not be moved. Proverbs 13, 34 says this. It says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You see, that's what we want to see America become. We want to become a righteous nation because when we walk in righteousness, we exalt our nation. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, just take a big picture look at where we are morally, culturally in the United States. See, our focus must be on Jesus. Donald Trump is not our savior. Yes, he stands for righteousness. And yes, Donald Trump has protected our Christian liberties and rights, but he's not our savior. If he wins in four years, he will be gone. Then what? If he loses, how will we respond? Will we lay down and cry? Like, like the Democrats did when President Trump won the election. People were crying and college students were having mental breakdowns and ridiculous. No, no, if President Trump loses, this is how we're going to respond. No, Jesus, Jesus is our commander in chief. And never forget that. Don't get so caught up in all the political stuff that you forget that Jesus is our commander in chief. You see, God is waiting on us, the church, to move heaven and earth. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. He has given us everything we need to stop the evil agenda of the Democratic Party, which sadly Sadly, it is sad, has become an anti-Christ and anti-God party. That's their platform. They've removed God. They want nothing to do with God. They have, I mean, they've just gone, they've, they have lost their moral compass. Jesus said, now I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Matthew 28, 18. And that authority, church, listen carefully, that authority has now been handed to us, the church. Now, I'm sorry if you haven't been taught that in your church, but I'm a teacher. I'm teaching you. 
I'm teaching you what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, in the New King James Version, Jesus said this. He said, behold, behold. In other words, take notice. I give you the authority, the excusia, the Greek word is, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now his reference to serpents and scorpions, according to some commentaries, some some of the theological commentaries, is that this is a reference to demonic powers, that the serpents and scorpions refer to demonic spirits, demonic powers. Other commentators believe that Jesus was saying actual snakes and scorpions. I say both and either or, whichever is pertinent. Now, that's not to say that I believe in any way that snake handling is appropriate or normal. It's neither. I do not believe in that. I do not condone that. In the Amplified Version of Luke 10, 19, listen to what it says. It says, Behold, again, take notice. Jesus speaking, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. Genesis 1.26, right at the beginning of the book, lays it out for us. God gave Adam and Eve, quote, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 28 goes on to say, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, rule over it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth. So I want to make this point clear. We as Christians are not against the people and the leaders who represent the Democratic Party. We are not against people of any kind. We are never against people. We don't war against flesh and blood. That's what the Bible says. But the Bible tells us what we do war against. We war against principalities, powers of the air, i.e. the media, <laughs> rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen? That's who we're warring against. These powers, these rulers of darkness, this spiritual wickedness is influencing a group of people. It's influencing many people 
all over the world, not just America. I want to close with this. In December of 1951, Douglas MacArthur had been the supreme commander of the Allied forces in the Pacific during World War II. And this is what he said. And just think about what he's saying because, you know, this is back in 1951. It's a long time ago. He said, in this day of gathering storms, as moral deterioration of political power spreads its growing infection, it is essential that every spiritual force be mobilized to defend and preserve the religious base upon which this nation is founded. For it has been that base which has been the motivating impulse to our moral and national growth. History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been either a spiritual reawakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. And I say, well said, General MacArthur. I want to conclude by just saying, if you live in the Ohio Valley, if you live anywhere within the sound of my voice here, and I'm in Wheeling, West Virginia, recording this, I'm inviting you to join me this Saturday, October 24th at 9.30 a.m. at the flagpole down by the riverfront in Wheeling. Now, anybody that lives in the valley knows where that flagpole, flagpole is down by the riverfront. So at 9.30 a.m., we're going to meet there this coming Saturday, October 24th. And we are going to walk the streets of Wheeling. And we're going to pray over this city and valley to be transformed. You see, because we have been given dominion and we have been given authority over all the powers of darkness, Jesus said. And it's time to see, it's time to see this nation and our valley transformed and brought to a state of righteousness and justice. And I bet you could say amen with me. It's time to dedicate yourself to our nation's awakening. And so this message called a time of dedication is where I'm just asking you, dedicate your time to see an awakening where you live because you're an influencer. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have been given power and authority over all the works of darkness. Jesus died on the cross to give you that gift. And so, I hope you will join me this Saturday because we are going to pray just for an hour, 9.30 to 10.30. And trust me, we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to walk. We will see our city transformed. I guarantee you. Well, 
This is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can write me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I sure would appreciate your financial support. I appreciate your prayers for this ministry. You see, ministries can't continue successfully without prayer and without financial support. So if the Lord lays that on your heart, would you please help support our ministry? I look forward to being with you next week because I'm going to be continuing this message. And so with that, I say shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.